Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the Telling the Story podcast. This is the audio branch of the Telling the Story blog at tellingthestoryblog.com, a look at how journalists and everyone reach the world. I am Matt Pearl, author of the Telling the Story blog and a reporter at NBC in Atlanta. As we near the year's end, this calendar year of 2014, I wanted to interview someone who was front and center for one of the year's bigger stories. And in local news, when a story takes over your area, you find yourself working nonstop, long days, long nights, long everything, none more so this year than the journalists who covered the historic snowstorm that belted much of the Buffalo region and western New York last month. My guest today is a longtime reporter at WGRZ-TV, Buffalo's NBC affiliate, Claudine Ewing. Welcome to the Telling the Story podcast. Hi, Matt. Nice to talk <laughs> to you, see you, be with you, and hello, Atlanta. Absolutely. And full disclosure to everyone listening, Claudine and I were once co-workers at WGRZ-TV in Buffalo. I'm in Atlanta now, but I spent nearly four years in western New York, really loved it. Claudine, uh, I, I know when I was there in my brief window of time, I saw some weather events, and I think most people know about Buffalo's reputation for snow, but this was uh, something far beyond that. Can you kind of give us some context here for those who just think Buffalo and they just think, oh, it's always snowing up there? So, yes, you're right. Everybody thinks when you say Buffalo, um, as I mentioned, I went across the world and I said, oh, I'm from Buffalo, New York. Oh, how much snow do you get? So, yes, that is the perception. But um, really, it doesn't snow all the time. But I guess if you saw the news a couple of weeks ago, you would think otherwise. It was a storm like no other. In fact, I was in um, the supermarket today and they have um, T-shirts that say um, Blizzard of 77, the October storm, and November. So oh, man. what we just experienced definitely ranks up there right now. Um, it was one of those storms where it was forecasted. We knew it was going to come. And, you know, sometimes you'll hear, oh, we're going to get a few feet. And then you heard things like six feet. But then you think, oh, it's going to be in the snow belt. But it really, really hit areas where people were living. So um, the actual city of Buffalo did not get a lot of snow in the initial storm. And I live in a suburb where part of the suburb was blasted with snow. So you could go probably a half mile away and there was a wall. It's lake effect snow. It was a literal wall and they couldn't travel and I could. In fact, when I woke up, the leaves were still outside and I could see them. A half mile away, not that, not the case. That's amazing. So, you know, and, and again, it's it's funny because being from Atlanta, we had a virtual snowmageddon earlier this year when we got two inches of snow and it stuck to the ground and the whole city uh, was basically uh, at a standstill for a few days. And, you know, up here, we laugh about that. Absolutely. <laughs> so then you get to Buffalo and, and you just assume that, oh, okay, well, you know, yeah, it snowed a lot, but they know how to handle that. They they do that kind of stuff all the time. But this was so far beyond anything I think even the hardiest of Buffalonians could have really foreseen. You're right. And the reason is it just did not stop snowing. So in a <laughs> newsroom, you know, when it's going to be a major snowstorm, it's what we call all hands on deck everybody's in, everybody's, you know, you prepare to work, you make sure when you leave that morning, 
hey, I better make sure I have an extra set of clothes, make sure I have some snow pants, just have like necessities with you, just in case you have to stay after um, work or stay and spend the night or just work like instead of eight hours, maybe work 12, 15 hours. Well, this was a case where half of our newsroom was not there. Anybody who lived in the South Towns could not get in. They just could not get out of their homes. One of our photographers lives in Hamburg. The snow was so high up to the door, he couldn't open the door. So there was nothing you can do. They couldn't get to work. But you know what, Matt, I found, find so interesting now in this with modern technology and the way things work, there were some reporters who couldn't get in. So they were using their iPhones, doing um, phoners, you know, picking up the phone, doing live reports yeah. from their homes. But the phones made a big difference because they were able to send video, um, send pictures and tell the story. And they were able to report right from home. So they could stay in their PJs, I guess. But you know, <laughs> there was no movement. There was no movement. And for Western New Yorkers, it was just one of those storms where you thought, okay, we've heard about this, but never did we think we couldn't get out. And I know at Wegmans, which is one of our big uh, grocery stores. And one of the finest. Very good, especially produce. Um, It was interesting when I talked to them um, a couple days later, they had to close down at least two or three of their stores. And they never really had to do that. But The concern also was so much snow piled up on the roof. They were afraid of a roof collapse. And that was also the concern with a lot of homes, too. It was so much snow and it was so heavy. And remember, we're not in winter yet, so the leaves are still on the trees. Mm -hmm. So you had that going on. So a lot of things happening. But um, as a result for me, it meant that, you know, I went to work that Tuesday and granted where I lived, I was able to travel from work back home. But, you know, it was suggested, hey, would you like to just stay in a hotel downtown just in case the snow starts to come where you live um, and you can't get in? I mean, can you imagine if every if nobody could get into work? Yeah, so, I- that's what I did. I stayed um, downtown for two nights. I was able I did come home, got clothes for to carry me through like two or three days. And I just stayed downtown um, and I just worked 12, 14 hour days. I remember uh, at the the worst snowstorm that hit when I was in Buffalo, I could not get out of my uh, apartment because they hadn't, uh, they hadn't shoveled anything yet or the streets around it. And the GM of the station actually picked me up <laughs> to bring me into work. And I remember thinking that was absurd. And w- you're saying that there were actually half the newsroom couldn't even get in. That is, that is so mind boggling to hear. And I'm sure for you, you know, part of what you count on in those situations where you're working the long hours is knowing that at some point someone is going to come in and relieve you. Right. And that, and, and not just you obviously, but all the producers and behind the scenes folks that they're, you're working long shifts, but you're going to take turns doing that. Right. What did you have to prepare yourself for knowing that you didn't know when you were going to see half the newsroom. So what we, you know, you would think maybe a day. Okay. But there was a case, I think our news director didn't get in until like the end of the second day of the storm going into the third. And it was like late in the day. And then on his way in, he went and picked up one of the photographers and it took them around. I mean, it probably took them over well over an hour and a half 
just to get wow. to the station. So it was one of those situations where people had to go and pick up other individuals, but it was a concern because everybody was getting stuck. You didn't know where you could and you couldn't go. So what it meant for us is that we had to prepare. And that's some, one of the things you realize as a journalist and in a town where weather is important because, you know, things start and stop based on weather. Events can happen or they will not happen. Um, we just had to prepare ourselves to work around the clock. I mean, I was literally prepared one day if I needed to work 24 hours or just, you know, of course I got to sleep a little bit. I was ready to do that. Um, you just have to prepare yourself. It doesn't happen every day. It doesn't happen every month, but um, your adrenaline's going, you know, this is the news people are watching. People want to know what's happening. There are state of emergencies. Um, city and county officials are giving news briefings, updating people um, almost every three hours. And so I was covering that. Um, and then it also meant because we were so short staffed that at one point I was at a county executives news conference talking about a state of emergency for the entire county of Erie County. And then the next hour, I was at the Thruway Authority because the governor was in town and he was talking about how we're going to bring in the National Guard and where they're going to go and what they're going to do. And so it was it was just so much going on all at once. And then with this storm, you know, people died. This was not just, OK, people are snowed in. They can't get out. There were actually people who passed away. And as a result of the storm. A person found in the car, a person's car stalled, and they called for help, and the help didn't come, and the snow kept coming and coming and coming, and they couldn't get out the car, and so they were trapped. So sad stories like that, things um, like that happened. And then, you know, a nursing home being evacuated um, for concerns of either a natural gas leak or was the roof going to collapse. So, so many stories happening. And as reporters, as journalists, we have to remember that when those things take place that you can't cover everything right then and there. But those are stories that you remember that you can go back to because you best believe, you know, that's November. We're in December now, the holiday season is not going to be great for a lot of families. Families like who, you know, maybe their roof collapsed or families who lost loved ones. Husband, there was a husband and wife, they've been married for, I don't know, dozens and dozens of years. And the mate passed away because he had a heart attack when he went outside. So, you know, a storm can really, really um, um, change lives for people. And then as reporters, we have to be sensitive to that. And just remember, those are also stories that can be told too. So in that situation, and, and having covered a few of these, both weather and non-weather related, as a reporter, you're really cut off in a sense from the decision-making process at the station because you're out in the field right. and you're kind of, you know, you're almost going blind in a way in that like you said, you're shuffling from one press conference to the next, from one story to the next. So how do you go about just kind of keeping a clear focus about uh, the story gathering process, about the storytelling process when you're in that situation? So because we're dealing with a storm and everybody is affected by the storm, as the journalist, I think you have to put your, you have to think like people at home. 
what is most important to them? What is it that they want to know? And you have to stick to the facts of that. So, you know, when county officials are talking about how many plows are out, that's great. But I need to be able to tell people where those plows are going to be because there are people stuck on streets and they want to know, are you coming to my community? Right. Uh, when the governor says we're bringing in the National Guard, you know, we need to say, OK, how many people from the National Guard are coming? Where are they going to be located? And then, you know, by day three of this storm, the questions become different. The people are not asking, OK, when are the plows coming? But I have damage. Is FEMA going to kick in? Because people know about FEMA now. So, you know, you have to you have to go about it by thinking, what are people talking about? And that's why it's important for journalists to really be in touch with your community. What, you know, what are people saying? If they don't care about how many inches, the, the snow's here, what are we going to do to get rid of it? You know, um, how are you going to help me? And so we have to be, not that we're social workers, but sometimes we are pseudo social workers, <laughs> but we have to provide information to help people. And we, I think were, we were on the clock almost, I mean, we were on the air, you know, we went on for our daybreak, our morning show, and we went straight through 7 p.m. So um, those who watch soap operas weren't too happy, but, <laughs> you know, there it comes a point where you have to make that decision. And those decisions were made um, back at the station that, hey, this is important. This is happening. People are in their homes. They want to know what's going on. I think you make a really good analogy with the pseudo social worker thing in that you know you you really you're obviously not advocating necessarily for individual cases but you are an, an information provider there are people who are in a time of uncertainty and, and it's in a way it's part of the news outlet's job to provide that information and, and right. to provide a certain sense of security and, and peace at that moment so Absolutely. I think that actually makes a lot of sense um and again, uh, this is the Telling the Story podcast. I'm Matt Pearl. She is Claudine Ewing, reporter for WGRZ-TV in Buffalo. We're talking about that giant snowstorm that hit last month, dropped seven feet of snow on parts of western New York. And one thing I wanted to uh, touch on, and, and, and you started to get into this a little bit, talking about how you were on the air nonstop from, I guess, 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. roughly. Um, I feel like in these kinds of situations... TV works very differently from newspaper. Yeah. So, and it almost becomes one of those few occasions where people are really kind of waiting on bated breath for what they're going to see on their televisions. Right. Talk about what you feel the advantages are for a news outlet such as your own, as opposed to, say, the Buffalo News, the uh, the newspaper of record in Buffalo. It's, it's immediacy. Um, you know, I worked in radio before I worked in television, and I remember always saying one thing about radio I enjoyed is that, you know, it's theater of the mind, pretty much, um, because you have to create that story so people can actually see it because they're only hearing it. And in the case of a storm, television was great because it was immediate, People were seeing what was happening. If there was going to be a new um, lake effect snow advisory or more snow was coming, they found out right away. There was no waiting to see what the paper's going to say the next day. That wouldn't help you. If the paper can even get there. Right, right, exactly. Um, and, of course, no papers were being delivered. And the areas that were hard hit, 
So in downtown Buffalo, yeah, we got our newspapers and other, the northern suburbs, we knew what was happening, but uh, newspapers weren't being delivered to those areas. So, you know, people were able to see what was happening. And then I think it also gives people the opportunity to hear residents call in, tell their stories. This is what I'm experiencing. And that's what we had too. You know, we open up the phone lines, you know, where are you? What are you saying? Um, have you seen a plow? Well, no, I haven't seen a plow, but then the snow's still coming. And then people were also calling in with their concerns. You know, I'm really concerned. I have to get to a doctor's appointment or I need medication. It, it was one of those situations. So you get the information out there and it also allows officials, county officials to hear what residents are saying. You know, they can't pick up they're not manning phone lines. I mean, there's a crew that's going to do that. But, you know, they're listening. They're watching television, too. And so they can also hear the concerns of the people. I think it's actually one of the most compelling uh, cases or just the most compelling situation in, in local news when you have that nonstop, when there is that kind of emergency, because it is something where, where people will tune in knowing that they're going to get that update from the TV station. I, I remember working our little snowstorm here in Atlanta <laughs> earlier this year with the two inches of snow. But, you know, I was standing over the 17th Street Bridge. We had an amazing view of the massive traffic backup where cars were stuck on the highway for hours and hours. And, uh, you know, the producers would, would come to me every half an hour or so. I'd, I'd be saying basically the same thing, but I'd have to remind myself that, you know, in doing that, you're reaching a different audience almost every time because you've got people who are going to be flipping in and out and on and back and wanting to know. And that's where that immediacy, you know, yes. you think of online and social media and being able to do it that way. But on the televised format, you do kind of have to repeat yourself because you never know quite when viewers are picking you up. Exactly. And, you know, this storm also created a little havoc with um, people who were on the thruway. We had a situation a few years ago where there was a storm. And so uh, the thruway sh shut down. Uh, people were trapped. And that happened again this time. But this new systems were supposed to be in place where it would prevent people from being trapped, or at least as many people from being trapped. You know, you wouldn't be able to get on when the throughway shut down. Well, it didn't quite work out as well. So when the governor was in town, he was here to talk about the throughway. And, you know, he kind of made a couple of statements about, you know, people made a mistake when they got on there and they should not have been on there. Well, that didn't go over well at all because, remember everybody's watching TV and maybe on an ordinary day, they're not paying attention to every little word that the governor is saying, but this is a storm that affects everybody. And when they hear the governor blaming the motorists <laughs> who are stuck in their cars, um, not a good look that didn't go over too well. It didn't go over too well. So, um, you know, you had to hear different, what was the governor going to say the next time? Because I think every time he had a press conference, people wanted to know, okay, how is he going to either clean it up or what is he going to say? Or is he going to admit that his administration, the throughway authority or any, any individuals that he appointed, maybe they made a mistake. So you had so many dynamics going on, but there's, this is also important for journalists to remember too. You, 
even though that can become political because, you know, we saw where politics started to creep its head in there, you know, um, the county executive saying, you know, certain of the many of the small towns, they didn't call in, they weren't on conference calls. And then when you start to look at the dynamics, it's like, okay, they're the Democrats, they're the Republicans. You couldn't get involved in that political match right then and there. Because at this point, we're talking about lives, we're talking about people trying to get on with their daily lives. I mean, schools were shut down. You know, we talked about the city of Buffalo and how it was only South Buffalo that was hit with the storm. The rest of the city was fine, but yet the entire city school district shut down because why? You have teachers who live in the suburbs. They couldn't get to work. So you got all these kids running around in the city like, why don't we have school? Well, that's the reason why. So it was a lot going on, definitely a lot. So many different stories. And journalists have to remember, you you have to look for all different angles, but never forget people angle. And that's something I try and always incorporate in stories I do. Don't forget the people. You know, you can get so enmeshed in the politics and this, that, and the other, but don't forget the people. Because it's like the people part of a story is that nugget. And sometimes that's the driver. And I think too, you you know, in that same vein, a lot of times when there are large breaking stories and the TV stations go nonstop. And, and here I'm thinking more nationally, like you, you think of the uh, Boston Marathon bombing last year or even recently the aftermath of the Darren Wilson verdict in Ferguson where a lot of stations and journalists were criticized for speculation and just simply being out there with very little to say. So it began situations where reporters and anchors just started really just talking about things that they couldn't back up or, or yeah. you know, or made claims that weren't true or things like that. During weather events, you, you again, you're on nonstop. You've got a lot of time to fill and not always a lot to say. You really do have to think about, well, if I'm watching this at home, what am I looking to find out? What am I looking to get out of this? And and right. it's a very difficult trick, I think, sometimes for a reporter, again, because you're they're, you're, they're going to you so many times. The anchors are tossing to you and you've got to find fresh ways a lot of the time, to say the same thing. Exactly. How do you kind of remind yourself about that, especially when you're working long hours and working these long shifts? You're right about that. I think at that point, that's when you, you, and this is something I do, I literally just take a step back and think, what is it that people want to know? But social media is great, too, because that kind of tells you what people want to know and what they're thinking about. Because like I was mentioning about the thruway and people, you know, in the beginning, people were stuck on the thruway. They finally opened it up. So the people were able to get off. People really just ditched their cars on the thruway and they got off and the cars were towed somewhere. But I remember watching a couple of tweets come through and people were saying, I don't care about the thruway. Forget about the thruway. You know, tell me when the national guard is going to come to my neighborhood. We can't get out. So, as much as for a moment we were centered on the thruway authority, I think the majority of people could care less. They wanted to know what was going to happen on their street, in their neighborhood. When could they get to the store because they didn't have food? They needed to get there. When was it going to be open? And then, you know, you can laugh about this part. If anything, parents were wondering when were the schools going to open because the kids were crazy <laughs> at home. So, you know, it's it's just... 
it's everyday life. I think we cannot be so far removed from what people are talking about. You know, when you're in um, the store or you're in a restaurant and you may overhear something and you may say to yourself, what? What are they talking about? Is that important? Yeah, it's important. When a lot of people are talking about one issue, you can't ignore that in your newscast. You can't ignore that um, when talking about story selection because you want to give people what they want. Granted, there are some things they may not care about, but it's important to them. And so we have to bring that to them. But you can't ignore what people are talking about. That is news. And um, present it in a way that's understandable, but also, you know, we're there to inform. We're not there to just make things up. That's not our job. Our job is to report the news. And sometimes, sometimes young reporters may forget that, um, but that's not what it's all about. It's not about you. Take yourself out of the equation. Well, and I think it's also very difficult sometimes when you don't really have much to say to not just kind of fall into the trap. It's, it's, you know, you, you think about in a social situation, if you're out to dinner with a friend and you have nothing to talk about, <laughs> eventually you're just going to start, you know, you're going to really reach for topics to talk about. And you might talk about something that you don't, didn't even really care to talk about. Right. You know, and, and I think it's the same thing in news where, you know, eventually you almost feel like you as a journalist are not providing the viewer with enough, so you need to... You know, there there is an urge and an instinct to kind of just get a little more, I don't know what the word is, but maybe a little more out there, uh, a little more uh, theoretical rather than focusing on the, the specifics, the details people want to know and going about it that way. And that is something that a lot of times when I see it happening in coverage, when I see people start to stray a little bit, I feel like they're probably not intending to do it they might just not have that much to say and they're struggling to fill time and they're on the spot and just doing whatever the first thing might be that comes to their mind. I don't know. Right. I I think that's true. You do think about, you know, whatever comes to your mind, you just have to be careful. You, you have to be careful. You have to, you know, think before you speak, you really do. And then maybe think about your own experience. Okay. What's going on in your home, in your neighborhood, um, you know, what would be the concerns there? So, you know, even presenting that story, we can even say, um, you know, I know a lot of you are in areas where it's, you know, the snow has been nonstop. Present that other side and just say, you know, there are a lot of people also in Western New York who have no snow or very little snow and they're moving about freely. Um, talk about that whole lake effect experience, you know, how it's a wall of snow. It's truly just split the area in two. It was like the haves and the haves have nots, those yeah. who have snow and those who don't. Um, and then when you're also in situations like that, it doesn't hurt to try and grab people to do live interviews, um, talk to people who are out there where you are, especially when you're live and you're just, it's just ongoing, talk to them. Um, you know, what are they experiencing? What is it they're concerned about? What would they like to see? Um, what are their hopes? You know, hey, have you ever seen anything like this before? You're going to find around here people who experienced the blizzard of 77. So how does it yeah. compare? And that was, that was a big talk about too. I, I, I agree with all of that. I think that I think that's all really good advice. And I would 
just add to that too that if you're in a situation where you feel like you're starting to stray a little bit, it's okay to stop. Yeah, it's okay just to toss it back to the anchor yes. and oh, you know, yes. yeah. And like you were saying, you you do in the meantime have to be active about thinking in your head of of some other angles and storylines and people to talk to. But when you're actually in that moment too. You know, I'm always a big fan of before you say something that you're not sure about, just don't say it. Exactly. And no one's no one's not going no one's going to know what you didn't say. They're only going to know what you did say. Yes, and you have to think before you speak. Definitely think before you speak. And even sure. sometimes when I'm doing a live interview with someone, I will even say to them right beforehand like, "Hey, you know, don't forget we're live. No swearing." <laughs> please, um, please just try and keep your answers, you know, right to the point and just, you know, give me information. Tell me about answer the questions as specific as possible. But, you know, you can be colorful with it. You know, those um, interviews where people are colorful and lively, those are some of the ones that you just don't forget. Yeah. This is the Telling the Story podcast. I am Matt Pearls. She is Claudine Ewing, a reporter for Buffalo's NBC affiliate WGRZ-TV. Claudine, I, I like to use this last section, and we have a few minutes left here on the podcast, to use it more as an advice section for younger storytellers. And I wanted to specifically talk about you really uh, working in one market for a while now. And TV, I think, has a reputation for reporters hopping from station to station. But you've been in Buffalo a while, and I know... When I worked there, I always admired, and, and you even mentioned this in one of your answers earlier, just your ability to kind of have the heartbeat of the area and really understand it. And I, I think that's something that a lot of times goes undervalued in the industry. I wanted to just talk to you a little bit about that, about making one place your home and, and kind of how you've managed to cultivate those relationships and that understanding of the neighborhood and how that's improved and, and just informed your own reporting. Oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's very rare that a reporter can say that they are working in the city where they were schooled, they were born, um, went to school, and you know people. It definitely has advantages. Um, make no mistake about it. Um, what it does is it allows people to connect with you. They see you as one of them. Um I'm telling you, I can't tell you how many times, Matt, where I've gotten a call from someone and they just start talking on the phone and you would think I knew this person forever and I've never <laughs> met them, but they know you're from Buffalo, this is your hometown, they feel like you get it. And so many story ideas have come from those individuals. And the reason it's a story idea that, that develops is because when you know the area so well, you know, oh, yeah, that is happening. That is true. That is going on. And then you can research it and develop it and then go to those people in power and ask those questions. And it's not like I'm just coming to them out of left field. Oh, this is what I heard. This is what I heard. And this is what I've seen. And oh, by the way, remember, I live here. I'm from here. So I get it. I know this is happening. So there are definite um, advantages to being in a market for so long. You get to know those who are in power, have been in power, want to be in power. Um, <laughs> and you know the people and their issues and their concerns, their likes, their dislikes. Um, you know, I think after this storm, 
one of the things I started hearing a little bit more and more is, wow, Buffalo finally was starting to be known as, you know, the city that's starting to develop its downtown, its waterfront, you know, let people know us for the bills and the sabers and all these new things are happening and development, not the snow. And it's like, oh, national news comes (laughs) and we're leading national newscasts because of the snow. It's like, wipe that out because- yeah, people are going to think Buffalo and they're going to think snow. That is so funny. And, and I can absolutely relate to that, having had to convince many of my friends <laughs> who are not from Buffalo that it is not just one white morass oh. of snow all over the place. Um, and you know what else that, I think is interesting, too, that, yeah. you know, during the storm, the, <laughs> the reason this is really going to be in people's minds, think about the NFL. Think about the Buffalo Bills game. They had to move the game to Detroit. Yes. Couldn't even play the game here because of the snow. And during, during that game, that's all they talked about. You know, Buffalo with all the snow. It's like, oh, wow. But <laughs> literally during that game, they I think they took shots of the stadium. But at least the next day, the stadium was fine. I mean, it's no problem. And all that One snow thing... pretty much is gone, by the way, people. <laughs> I heard it was gone a few days later because it was about 60 degrees yeah. the following Monday. There, the story started to continue. Once again, we were told to be on standby, possibly work long hours because flooding was going to be the next <laughs> issue. It's like we need to be meteorologists. Not just. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing that I always noticed about Buffalo is that it is a place where you really – and I think this is indicative of a lot of the not super large markets, but the those kind of like mid mid to upper level markets is that they're big enough that there's a lot happening there, but they're small enough that there's a, an almost universal feeling. So you can live in North Buffalo, you can live in the southern, you know, the south towns, you can live almost up to Canada. But Western New York and Buffalo, there is an identity to that region, and there is more of an investment in the local news than I think there sometimes is on the whole in a, in a larger market where it's so spread out. I, I was just talking to someone who works in Los Angeles and was saying that you, it is so tough to find stories that connect everybody in the Los Angeles region. Yeah, It's almost impossible because everybody is living a different life out there. And in Buffalo, it always seemed to me like that's almost one of the joys of working in a market like that, and especially in Buffalo where people are, you know, people are generations upon generations in Buffalo right. that there is just this sense that there's a passion about what the local news is going to cover. And someone like yourself can indeed get those calls from people and they're going to treat you as if you're almost family yeah. because there is that kind of identity with the local news. Absolutely. It really is. I mean, they're, you know, in Buffalo – we're known as the city of good neighbors. And so you, you will get some outsiders who may not quite get it and say, I, I don't get this whole city of good neighbors thing. But a snowstorm explains why it's the city of good neighbors, because no matter where you are, if you're stuck or you're stranded and somebody sees you, somebody's going to help you. And it's that neighborly feel, it's that helping out one another feel that Buffalo truly has. And you know, you're right. You feel it from all sections of Western New York. Um, that's just the way it is. And people um, are all about um, 
trying to really erase this stigma that we're just this snow belt, like what we're talking about now. But it, it, it happens. But I think, you know, Buffalo has a lot of good qualities, but, you know, it is one of those cities where you do see an investment in local news um, and those local news stories. It may be something happening in one community, but for some reason, 20 miles away, that community relates to it in some way, in some form or fashion. Yeah. Um, you obviously, as you said, you've, you had the benefit of growing up there, going to school there. Uh, but I know, you know, so many people come into markets and, and in this industry, again, people hop around a lot, come into new markets. What are the things that you've seen out of town reporters come in and do well to build the trust and ingratiate themselves and, you know, with the market? And, and I'm, I really want to specify reporters here because I think it's in, it's easier for someone who's an anchor, who's on TV every day and can get into people's homes every day. But as a reporter it's a lot tougher because you don't have that regularity. What's important for them to do, I think, to truly understand what's happening in the city that they're going to be working in, whether it's Buffalo or Dubuque or Atlanta, you need to know, you need to get a pulse of the city, a pulse of the community. Um, You know, where is it that people go? Just go. It may not be your cup of tea. I'm not saying that it's got to be your shtick. That's what you have to do. But, you just go see what, what are people look like. <laughs> <laughs> what that's and, and hang on that because that's a very good yeah. point. I mean, like just understand demographically right. what are they your like? neighborhood. What do they do here? So you live in the town of Chicktawaga. What's Chicktawaga? You know, what do they do there? You know, why do they call Chicktawaga Chicta Vegas? And you know, I mean, it's, <laughs> you need to just get in there. And, you know, whether it's going to a ball game, whether it's going to the theater, going to restaurants, but just spread yourself out. Just go. Just talk to people. Mingle with people. You can never go wrong with people. You just can't. That, by the way, sounds like a blast. Go out to the ball game, go to right. a theater. That, that's, if that's all you have to do, <laughs> then that's beautiful. It really does make a difference. And, you know, also, it doesn't hurt if you're a, a new reporter coming into a city, you know, understand the politics of that city that you're going into. Absolutely. Um, you know, one thing about Buffalo, what I find interesting, granted, it's heavily, um, they're more Democrats than Republicans. We get that. But you got to understand where that's going. You know, certain things are happening in this country. People's minds are changing. Um, there is um, a medical campus coming in. So remember, if you're, you're thinking about a medical campus that's taking over um, part of your downtown, that's a different segment. That's a different mindset that's coming in. So get to know the flavor of the city. Get to know those people who are in power. What are they doing? Are they trying to boost development? You know, what's their platform? Find out. You know, and it doesn't hurt also, you know, just make a call, send an email. You know, you don't have to send a letter. You can just send an email if you want. Hey, my name is such and such. I'm a new reporter here. I'd like to get to meet you or looking forward to covering your next press conference so I can meet you face to face. Nothing wrong with doing that. I teach a class at Canisius College and, um, you know, you'd be surprised with students um, for their final project. I made it 
clear. They we had to do a newscast, and one year um, when I did the class, I brought in a surprise guest. They didn't know who it was going to be, what the topic was going to be. They just had to be on their p's and q's. They needed to just be ready to roll, and so the special guest was Thurman Thomas. Well. I was going to guess Jim Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) So they were like, and I was like, we are not starstruck here. We are just doing this as is. And that's the way you have to do it. So, you know, you just have to get to know the players. You have to know what's happening in your community, what's going on, and be ready to roll with it. Be ready to roll with it. And also have thick skin, in this day yeah. of the internet, have thick skin. Um, some things will ruffle you from time to time, especially when you're new. It's like, I can't believe somebody said that about me. You know what? Just let it roll off your back. Just let it go. You know, as long as nobody's yeah. threatening you. <laughs> That's absolutely. Uh, last question that I have for you, Claudine, and just on that note, but in terms of kind of making it into a career as a journalist and as a TV journalist specifically, If a younger journalist, maybe one of your students, asks you, can I make a stable living in one place as a journalist, and specifically as a TV reporter, what would you say? I am very honest with um, the students that whenever I have a class, I am very honest with them, and I tell them right off the bat, if you are looking to go into this right away and think you're going to be making six figures right away, and if you're in this for the glitz and the glamour, you really need to get up and leave because it's not about that because I'm not about that. I'm about the seriousness of being a journalist. Um, It's about having passion for the business, passion for news, passion for telling stories, wanting to do the right thing, wanting to, you know, make this, this is your craft and you want it to be just right. So um, the money is not always there right away. I mean, I started in radio would not change a thing um, because I think it helped me to hone my skills So um, nowadays, you know, maybe some people can get that break right away where they're, you know, shooting right to the top. I don't think it's to their advantage because I think you have to crawl before you walk. And by crawling, you appreciate the ease of walking. Hmm. So with that being the case, um, yeah, you're no, you're not going to come out and just make all that money. But you will appreciate it as you have more years into it when you do. Well, and I meant, too, what about the ability to kind of settle down into a place and ultimately kind of make one market your home? That's very rare. And I think you you get that, too. That's rare. Um, my situation is rare. Is <laughs> As a matter of fact, I was talking with uh, family and friends this week about that. It's like, can you imagine I'm working in my hometown still? Like, how does this happen? Like, I don't understand. Maybe it's something beyond me um, that's playing out, but it's very rare. And I think you have to be prepared um, to make a couple of moves, um, several moves. Um, If, you know, if you want us to stay in a small market forever, if that small market city is your home and that's where you're comfortable and that's what you want to do, then that's fine. But if you are looking to um, move up, you may, and you more than likely will, have to move around. Yeah. Uh, Claudine, I always like to end with that famous reporter's question, one that I'm sure you've asked numerous times. Is there anything we haven't touched on that you wanted to add? Uh, What is it that I want to touch on? 
No. What I want to touch <laughs> on is simply that um, I think it's important for young reporters to always ask questions. Um, I think it's important that anyone who's listening to this and this is a field they want to go into, they have to remember internships. I don't know how much you've touched on that in some of your previous podcasts or whatever, but that's important. I, I really preach that because you need to get into a newsroom and see that number one, there are more jobs than just the reporter and the anchor. There's so many other jobs in a television station, in a radio station. So keep your options open. And also the times have changed. Be ready to do multiple things. Um, I, probably gained three, 400 new followers on Twitter just during the storm. So that can translate into three or 400 more people who are like, oh, let me watch Claudine on channel two. Oh, let me see what she's all about or what she's, what is she reporting on now? So, you know, it's different ways to get yourself out there um, and just be upfront and have that passion, have the passion. All right, Claudine Ewing, great stuff. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you. And the Telling the Story blog updates every Monday and Wednesday. The website is tellingthestoryblog.com. Rate and review this podcast on iTunes. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Telling the Story podcast. We'll see you next time.